Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. Hi, Camille. Hey, Tracy. It's so great to have you today. So good to chat with you. I am yeah. so excited. Everyone, this is Camille Nelson, and she is a remarkable human being. Um, Camille has done a lot of amazing things in her life, and because uh, she has a website, CamilleNelson.com, and uh, I have done my own research on her, even though I've known her for um, a few years, I learned a lot from this, so I am really excited to talk to you again, because I was like, holy cow, Camille, I didn't know these things, so um, she's released a couple of albums uh, in her, and she's been in the music industry for how many years now, Camille? I think like just over 10 years or so. Yeah, not yeah, bad. Yeah, just about 10, 11 not, years. Yeah, not bad. Way to yeah. go, Camille. And um, she, you, were, you released um, your second studio album, Lead Me Home, in August of 2017. Yeah, you're so good. Yeah, so and good. then also, guys, this is really cool. Sorry, Camille, this is something I didn't know about you, which I was geeking out about. She speaks German and Italian. And she's visited more than 70 countries. Has that increased? Uh, I think that's just about the same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I and I feel like, and also I didn't but, know that yeah. you had a, P, you got a PhD at Gonzaga? Gonzaga? How do you yeah. say Gonzaga? Gonzaga? Yeah, Gonzaga. <laughs> I, I've heard so many spellings. I, I, I probably have mispronounced it all these years. I don't know. No, I think you're right. It's like Gonzaga, right. Gonzaga. Gonzaga, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, we can get the creative on that. So wait, what did you do with your PhD in, Camille? <laughs> I did my PhD in leadership studies. Oh wow! Yeah, exciting. Wow, I feel like these are things I'm just learning right now, and I'm pretty pumped about it. So <laughs> it's really exciting. But um, Camille, we're gonna just jump right into some of the questions, and actually, I. Um, the quote that actually came to me just barely is from our incredible Beethoven. And he said, to play a wrong note is insignificant. To play without passion is inexcusable. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So good. What a great quote. I love that. (laughs) Gosh, I needed to hang that in my wall and, and like just work it and other aspects of my life you know yeah, that can that can play to so many things right yeah yeah that is beautiful thanks for sharing that yeah and I'm, I'm curious about in your real life experiences of being a performer um how have you how have you overcome the fear of performance you know I think growing up, I focused so much on the wrong notes and I focused so much on the right and the wrong notes and getting the right notes. And, and to be honest, I love that you shared that quote because I don't know. I, I really don't feel like I was 
a great performer or, you know, I, I, I just don't think I was a great violinist growing up. One, I didn't work super hard at it, but two, I just didn't play with feeling. And I really have to admit, I don't think I've played with feeling for years because, because of maybe some lack of confidence in performing, but also just focusing on the technicality of it and, and uh, being, you know, maybe a little knowing that I wasn't like the greatest, most virtuoso, like violinist or whatever. But late as I've, as I played music throughout the years, I've realized that that's not going to, that's, that does not matter. Like whoever is the best violinist in the room, I don't think it really matters, but what does matter is how each person in the room plays and adds significance to others through their own individual style of playing. And my individual style playing uh, is not perfect by whatever, by what any means. I mean, sometimes I even have trouble looking at videos. Like if someone posts a video of me, like I, I can't even, sometimes I can't even like watch it, you know? Right. It's just, That's very normal. It's just, yeah, like, there's it's so many just, of us, like even me, I can't listen to my podcast after I put them out. I'm like, nah. Hey, right. oh, I know. Yeah, I know. And we just, and it's, and that, that is so hard. Yeah. That, and that's just something to overcome. And Absolutely. I still haven't overcome. I, I'm still <laughs> yeah, like a so work true. in progress. I think it will be the rest of my life. I'm like, okay. And even though I believe feedback is so important and to watch you perform and speak or whatever, like just to improve, it's, it's still pretty painful. But getting back to your question, I just think it's so important to recognize that we all have something to say and we all have an individual voice. And even though sometimes I don't play like I want to play, like, sure, I want to be a better musician and a better this or that. But, but even though I'm not the better, the best musician in the room, like I still have something to add. Amen. So true. And also just, um, I'm curious, in your life, has there ever been a time or a moment that you can recall where you really felt like you did play with passion and it made the difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and I just, I, you know, how, maybe the, the thing that comes, like, probably just the, the most recent performance, I played at a fireside at this this great pianist, Gar Smith, he uh, he asked me to, he puts on these great firesides called Sacred Christmas after his CD, Sacred Christmas. And, and he asked me to play Still, Still, Still. There's this arrangement that Michael Dowdle, an amazing classical guitarist, and I'm not a classical guitarist at all. So even trying to do somewhat of the arrangement, I mean, I just, <laughs> I was super humbled for sure. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I was asked to play still 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 but I was also asked to play like some prelude before the fireside have some arrangements of like Christmas hymns or hymns that I've done and so I did that and I there there was just the really amazing spirit there that that night amazing feeling there everyone just had this Christmas spirit Christmas joy in their heart I felt and I was just really excited to to play and really excited just for the joy that music has brought my life and to to hopefully transcend that or to to give that to others and I played about four or five songs in the beginning and I just you know I know I made mistakes like I'll own up to it and I know very obvious mistakes missing notes here missing notes there but I just like completely was lost in in playing and I even forgot where I was and I just felt the emotions of 
of these songs and just the the emotion of the, I I feel emotion through melodies and I'm not the greatest uh, lyric writer but but I find emotion just through through melodies and so just playing the beautiful melodies of these Christmas hymns and things I just felt such emotion and such passion and I think somehow that might have transcended into the audience you know or just uh, connected with some audience members and things and and uh and so even though it wasn't perfect like beethoven had something there you know if you play with emotion people are gonna listen more than just the technicality and so i think that that plays a huge role in our playing well thank you so much for sharing that because i really felt the truth of that i was like whoa i'm feeling this like the people really i feel like that was truth you know that you like were able to connect with members of the audience and that you could detect that, right? Like we are connected to each other. And so as a performer, that's one of the gifts is that you can detect how it's impacting your audience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And connecting with them, I think, is just so important. Right. Because they're all there. We're all we're all sitting in an audience just with our own individual challenges and, and trials. And, and even though we might not know what, each individual try what trials we're all dealing with I think we can provide some some hope or some peace in our own individual way I love that and also just for those who are listening Camille plays the violin the guitar and the piano is there anything else that you play Camille kind of the piano I'm more of like a (laughs) I'm kind of more of just like a play by ear but uh yeah, so so violin and guitar are my main things, and then just singing and piano on the side. So yeah, yep. Camille Camille does a lot. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and then also for people who um, might not be familiar with the term fireside, how would you describe what a fireside is? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it's so it's it's basically um, it's 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 about it runs it's like just like a meeting with a motivational speaker typically talking about religious topics and uh sometimes it includes music sometimes it doesn't usually starts and ends with with prayers and just like a meaningful motivational message for for the audience so it's i mean you could look at it as kind of somewhat as of a sermon or like a motivational speech awesome and I like yeah. how you explained that. I was like, well, well, I'm like, I should Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that. I'm like, wait, how do I explain this? Awesome. Okay, yeah. so um, I really um, just, I really appreciate that, the whole idea of focusing also on what you previously said about focusing more. Sometimes you focused so much on the wrong notes instead of playing the right notes. And did you ever have a moment where you were able to shift from that focus on the wrong notes more on focus on what the right notes were I don't know yeah yeah I just I remember performing and constantly just worrying I'm like I'm gonna make a mistake I'm gonna make a mistake I'm gonna make a mistake and I did you know and then I would lose my train of thought and your thoughts are just super 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 powerful and there's uh and so I just focus mostly on not necessarily like the wrong notes but just I think the, just the messages in my mind, you know, and just motivating, like picking myself up and just encouraging myself. And, and there's a, there's a professor down at BYU who works with 
uh, athletes, sometimes Olympic athletes and things. And, and he's an athlete himself, a tennis player. And he believes in, in, he talks about psych positive psychology and positive thinking. And, and he says, you know, if I'm going to focus on, Oh, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that backhand. I'm going to miss that ball. He misses that ball. And, but he says, you know, I really focus on the, the, the language that I, or the words that I say to myself afterwards and say, you know what, that was terrible. You're a terrible player. You don't even belong on the court. I've said that to myself as a musician, you know, you, don't, you shouldn't even whatever. And, and those things I think are natural. I think we've all said some negative things to ourselves at one time, but, but I think it's how to, how to deflect them and how to turn that around. And this professor believes in power statements. And so uh, whether it's like you can do this or you're, uh, you've done your best up until this point, you know, and, and, uh, when I'm playing, I don't know if it's necessarily like a power statement. It's kind of just like, it's kind of like you add value as a musician, you know, and everyone who is trying or everyone who puts themselves out, out there, everyone has value to add every single person on this entire earth because of their individual experiences and how they can, you know, put them into meaning and pass them on to others. And so, so I think once I focus just on people, like adding, like recognizing that I add value, but also really wanting people to feel like, I feel like I'm more of a, an emotional player, not, mm -hmm. not necessarily, I don't, I never felt like I'm su like a super technical player, but I, I know that one gift that I have as a musician is emotion and that, uh, and my hope is just for others to be able to feel that emotion and to recognize things in their lives or maybe feel something in their lives and be able to either change things or to heal from things. I love that so much. I was just thinking about like the healing power of music, right? That there's yeah. an actual healing power just by being able to emotionally release. Because I think sometimes people Absolutely. cannot find it in other ways, but they can yeah. find it in music. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful. And um, what, so I kind of along that, the same line of um, resistance, kind of, so this, this matter of resistance, I had talked to you about Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. And yeah. in that book that he says that resistance really is an indicator of the direction you are supposed to go. So that re resistance actually is just an indicator that that's the direction that, is that you should beautiful. go. And so that I'm, is so beautiful. It's so true I because I mean, that. I feel like all of us can relate in some form where we're like, I don't want to do that thing, but that's the thing that really I, I want to do. So I'm yeah. curious about how that applies to you in either in any aspect of your life, but how has resistance been something that you've had, you know, come, come or like, Something that you've actually encountered, but you've been able to overcome? You know, I two things come to mind, and that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing those thoughts. You know, I, uh, I, so years ago, I, I spent a lot of time in, in sports, and I, I actually, I competed in bodybuilding for three years, and it was very, very life-encompassing, and it took up a lot of times, and during Come During what have three... you not done? Just kidding. No, I mean, I'm you know what? My, my life <laughs> mantra is do what you love and love what you do. Like, yeah. if you have a desire to do something, go for like, it. Like, do it, you yeah. know? And I, I live freely and without 
like without regret and knowing that like what I've done in my life, like I really feel sincerely like that I've just done what I wanted to do, like not for the sense of accomplishment, like not to be shown or not to be like, look what I can do, you know, like I never want anything to come across as like, look what I did or whatever. It's just like, you know, I had a desire and I did it, you know, and some, and, uh, I think like the, the more authentically we can live to our desires and, and things, I think the better off we can be. And I'm still learning that, but I think, you know, if you just have a desire to do something like just do it. And I had this uh, desire just to, I just to start lifting weights and then I got into bodybuilding and then I had a trainer and, uh, you know, just competed in, in some competitions for three years. And it was really life encompassing. And when I look back, I did not play a whole lot of music during those years, like at all. And matter of fact, there were months where I knew that I didn't even pick up my guitar or do anything musically. And, and uh, I was also going to school. So it was a really hectic time. But I mean, you know, I would spend three, four hours a day, you know, just working out or, or you know other things I mean it's just a really hectic lifestyle and it's a it's a wonderful lifestyle as well it gives you a lot of discipline and I'm really grateful for those years because I feel like it it has uh changed the person I am and has given me a lot of self-discipline in other areas but uh I was I remember I was I was training for a competition and and it was the type of bodybuilding it's called fitness where uh, you know that you do the typical bodybuilder things like um, where you pose on stage, but there's also like a two minute gymnastic strength routine that you do and and doing certain moves, one arm push ups and straddle holds and and L sits and and uh, elbow levers, like the strength moves and things and balancing things. And I was just uh, and the splits is one of these mandatory moves in this routine and. I had done splits for a while. I mean, I, I had built up to it, you know, for a long time, but it was just after a gym workout and, and I was in the splits and my SI joint popped out and it pulled a bunch of like high hamstrings, a lot, you know, just a lot of ligaments and things like the worst. And that was, I mean, crazy. That was five years ago. That was 2013. I still have pain from that. Like I still have, uh, I still experience pain from that injury. It's been like the worst injury I've ever had. And I've been able to overcome that by finding out what works and what alleviates some pain. But the reason why I share the story is that after that happened, I had to take a long break off of some of the things that I was doing sports wise. I was no longer, I'm still not able to sprint. I can't run long distance anymore. And and uh, but this was a time where even though I wasn't doing that, it was like my focus was completely put into music. And so coming back to your question about resistance, I think resistance in a way was, you know, the pushback from not being able to do any of these these sports that I had loved for years. Mm -hmm. But how it blessed my life is it helped me go into a direction that has added more meaning and fulfillment than almost anything I've ever done in my life. And that's, that's, uh, that's just music. Yeah. And there's this beautiful quote that I believe was from, uh, David Arbednar. And he said, or, you know, he quotes someone when he says this, but he said, you know, physical limitations are a way to uh, uh, physical limitations or any limitations in life life illuminate greater priorities 
Mm. And when I look at that and the limitations that I had physically, it illuminated the one of, you know, one of my top priorities today, which is music. And, uh, and so I was just super grateful for that. And just one other, one other thing that comes to mind, you know, I was in high school, I didn't really necessarily love to work out or I really didn't like running. I didn't even make my high school soccer team because I didn't like running, but, (laughs) and I like refused to run, but I, uh, I got into running after high school and I started running marathons and, and the first marathon that I wanted to run, you know, I think when you want it, you, when you have a goal, you're excited to put it out there and you tell friends, you tell loved ones and you say, Hey, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And some people say, you know, be careful who you tell your goals to, you know, and, and yeah, maybe some, maybe halfway, I, maybe partly, I believe in that, but, but I think it's also important for accountability, but, but also for people to support you or, and, and I've received some resistance in my life and things that I've wanted to do and people telling me that I can't do things or, you know, or even musically when you put yourself out there in any way, in any art form or any form whatsoever, you're going to naturally receive some criticism or resistance. And so the resistance I received when I put it out there and I was like, you know what, I'm going to run a marathon. And one of the first responses was like, you can't run a marathon, you know? And I, I understand why that comment was given to me because of all the years that I hated running and that I didn't want to run and that I nearly refused running. So I understand why the comment was there, but it also, you know, it was a little hit to the heart where I was like, wow. Okay. But then I came like right back and I didn't necessarily say this, but in my heart, I was like, Oh, I've run, I've already run this marathon in my mind, you know? And I used it to fuel my, uh, that was, just fuel that resistance. My motivation kind of fueled that resistance that I had. And, and that, that person who said that actually my first marathon was in Maui uh, and that person actually ended up booking a ticket and supporting me uh, more than ever during that marathon, you know? And, and, and so I completely understand why that was given. And so I think you just have to be prepared. Some people who are closest to you or maybe not closest to you, maybe some people on the internet are going to say things, but what are you going to, I think, uh, how are you going to react to that? And, and it was just a huge lesson to me. And I'm glad that I had that at at a young age. I think I was 19 and sure I received that earlier in my life, but, but that was a great example to me of like, no, you take the resistance you have and you use that as fuel to feed that fire of the passion and motivation inside you. So Camille, and, you know, time, and I did you know? Sorry to interrupt you, but did you know at the no, time, like the no, whole the the idea? Because I I listen to all sorts of motivational speakers, and one of the big ideas yeah. out there is that you you already have accomplished it. You live in such a way that you've already done it, like you already created the feeling that this is I've already run this race. I've already done this marathon. I've already done several marathons. Like that's how I operate. Did you just? Because I feel like you just said that. You're like, well, I just decided, like, right then. Like, I've already run this marathon. Like, it's already done. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, share, maybe share that. I, I have never heard that in, like, motivational speech. But I'd love to hear, like, where you've heard that, you know. And well, yeah, maybe I mean, we can, we can swap from, some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm but... like, we can switch, switch on that. But I was like, <laughs> wow, like, that's totally a principle is that you create the feelings also of what it would be yeah. like to already have accomplished that. And some people say that that actually creates the – falsifying feeling that you've already accomplished it so you don't work as hard towards it but for other people that creates the motivation to to live 
so that you already are a runner, so that you already are somebody who does the marathons and you just do what is required because you are, you are a marathon runner or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. Like, and you're right. I, I, um, I definitely thought that I was like, okay, I've already, I've already run this marathon. Like it was already in my mind and it was already accomplished. Like when that happened, like I was just like, oh, I've already crossed the finish line. Like in my mind, there's no, there was no, there was no doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to do it, even though there was doubt put out there and put like that was tempted to put in my mind, but I didn't allow it, you know, and just deflected that with my motivation and passion and things. Yeah. And so Camille, this is something I feel like you are a unique specimen on. And I see this with other people as well, but I'm just kind of curious because I feel like whenever you do something, you go 100%. Like you commit yourself to it, just like you did with the bodybuilding or with music when you really went for it. I feel like there was this party that's like, I'm going to do this, you know? And yeah. How, how have you, or when you were going to run your marathon, you know what I mean? Like these different aspects of your life. Why? Like, why are you that way? There's almost this part of me. It's like, why are some of us have such a hard time committing ourselves fully to things? Oh. Whereas for you, I don't know. Is there hey. that feeling or I don't know. You tell me. Cause for some reason I think I view you as different, which probably isn't true. Oh, is, I, no, know. definitely not. No, I am still learning along with the rest of us. And I'm so glad you said that. That gives me like so much, like what you said was just an affirmation of who I want to be, honestly, because like there are examples in my life where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I did give that a hundred percent, but there are aspects of my life where I'm like, woo, I definitely failed there. Or, or, you know, I know we naturally all have those things in our lives, but but uh, I do uh, – so my, my – uh, like my big weakness of mine is that, you know, just like a lot of us, I'm really interested in a lot of different things. And that's gotten to me in, me into trouble as far as you can't juggle too many plates in the air, you know. Mm-hmm. And a wise person said – you know, David Bednar said this. He said, you know, at the circus, when you think of a plate spinner, that plate – all the plates aren't running at the same velocity, you know. some When a plate – starts to run down that that plate spinner focuses on that plate and spins that plate and then when another plate is going he focuses on that and and when when priority was put first put in the word priority was first put in the dictionary it was never a plural word like the plural was never even it didn't even exist and so it was our it was always priority and never priorities and when you think about it if you have too many priorities they're not a priority they're just they just become things and so a weakness of mine I'm trying to overcome and I'm trying to learn is that just to really just have that priority in your life and of course you know two three priorities four priorities but uh and as I've realized where I've put a hundred percent in my life it's where I have just had just a few priorities in my life and the danger that I run into is I just overcommit or I just go, get into too many different things. And I, it's a pattern of mine. It's a habit of mine. It's a weakness. Me too. But, uh, oh, girl, I so resonate with that. Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I continually need to come back to, you know, just seeing how powerful the word no can be and just be like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to this because I'm saying yes to one of my priorities that I've already committed to. And I don't want to give that any less attention 
or importance because of something else I've committed to that I might be a little less hearted in, you know, yeah, or passionate about. So, um, one of the my favorite people is the author and speaker Wayne Dyer, and he oh, yeah. teaches the principle: "Don't die with the music still in you." And mm-hmm. um, I just love that so much. Like, don't die with the music still in you. Um, but how have you had the courage to to share your music in whatever form that may be, even in how you live your life or this, the things you've studied? But I think that's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. There's there's this quote out there that says, you know, the richest place on earth is, in, is the cemetery. The people who passed away right. with billion dollar ideas, with billion dollar song ideas or whatever, you know, but but how I've, I think I've overcome that is just through courage and uh and just recognizing the music that was in the that was in me and and being true to the stories behind that and recognizing the value in that and the individual value um that that I that I have inside me and the the thing that motivates me is or the songs that other people have written who have had the courage to write them and to share them and how my life has been so significantly impacted by those powerful songs. And so if, if one, if, if, if in any way, if one person can hear a song and be impacted by a story that has had deep meaning and deep impact in my life and for them to experience, you know, some impact or emotion or anything like that is all emotion. That is all the motivation that I would need, you know, just to, just to write the songs and to share the songs that are inside me. And are there songs that I haven't shared yet? Absolutely. And I just need to get the courage to, to find out a way to share them and, and just to, yeah, hopefully so lift others. I feel like one of the power, one of your superpowers is that you are willing to put it out there, even if it isn't perfect to some degree that you've overcome the like, I mean, I think not totally, but that I'm sure there's this part of you that's like had to just giddy up and say, okay, I'm going to put this out there, even though I know it's not this you know, perfect specimen or something, because it's still amazing, guys. Look up Camille Nelson. It's amazing. Um, it's Your music is incredible, and your guitar skills. I'm always like, what is she doing with her hands right now? It's insane. Oh, you're sweet. Oh, well, thank <laughs> so you. Good. Hey, you're thank so you. Good. But I, <laughs> I'm just, like, curious about that. Just that, that, that aspect of, you know, staying... I don't know, staying the course even when there is that like fear of rejection. Yeah, I think I think just recognizing the reason why you're doing what you're doing. This there's this beautiful story of uh, Vincent Van Gogh, and we all know the hero, the heroic hero he was in art. But I think the hero behind him, the, the, the giant on his shoulders was his brother, Theo. Mm. And his brother, Theo, was his only support for years and years. I mean, when he started painting, he was 27. And he, he I mean, talk about going to your loved ones and being like, I'm going to be a painter, you know, and he's 27. And he has no painting skills whatsoever. I mean, he had so much criticism his way everyone's and he tried painting he tried art teachers art teachers said you know you have no real talent in this I think you should just quit I don't want to work with you I don't want your reputation on my shoulders just all this criticism and 
and his parents thought he was crazy, you know, but Theo, his brother was just like, yeah, you know, I get it. You can totally do this. You can absolutely do this and uh, support him financially and most importantly, emotionally and encouraged him. He was his sole cheerleader and he went on to paint for 10 years and only, only with the support of his brother. I mean, can you imagine doing something that you're not super great or that you're just learning how to do for 10 straight years with, with the only support of one person or one single voice? I mean, I, I don't know if I... It's insanely amazing. (laughs) And insanely amazing. I mean, when I think of Vince Van Gogh, I just, sure, I see Starry Starry Night and I see the result of his amazing ability and just ingenious, but I, but I also see just like the heartache and the, the years of trial and difficulty that that went through knowing his story. And so, uh, that makes it more to beautiful, answer your, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's a there's a word that is is associated with that that says um, that is, uh, it means self goal, and it's a it's a Greek word and it's autotelic and what autotelic just means self goal and for a goal that you fulfill because it's for the sake of fulfilling the goal and not for any external circumstances whether that be praise or criticism and so I uh when I think about years in Nashville and and years as a musician I mean I I was you know I was the same person I would put music out there and of course when you're putting yourself out there you're like you know is my is my music worth anything and you equate that worth with views and so I remember a friend was like, hey, you know, I put a song out there. I got like 27 views. I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to quit. You know, I'm just going to delete my account. And I, you know, I was just like, well, well, do you do that for them or do you do that for you? Hmm. And it was just kind of a powerful lesson to me. Like, do you, do you play what you play? Do you sing what you sing? Do you paint what you paint for you? for the sake of doing it and for the pleasure and the passion of doing it or free, or do you do it for praise? Because if you do it for praise, your passion is going to run out real quickly. I mean, when I think of, uh, the Wright brothers, the Wright brothers had such passion into flying. They just wanted to fly. They wanted to fly no matter what. They didn't have a whole lot of financial backing, a lot of support, but there was someone else in the running who had all the financial support. I forget his name, but yeah, he had, yeah, he had, I remember that. I can't remember his name either. Yeah. Yeah. But he had like all the financial support. And so, you know, the story. Yeah. I mean, and, but he had no passion behind it. He wanted the praise. He wanted to be the first, the one to, to fulfill, you know, to be the, the, the first one out the there. World. Yes, exactly. And the Wright brothers just wanted to do it for the sake of doing it. And we all know the result of that story. And we all know, I hate to say the word one, but we all know who who really discovered flight. But it's because we don't even know. Yeah, exactly. We what we don't even never remember his name, and isn't ironic that all he wanted was praise, and no one remembers his name. And all you know, the Wright brothers wanted is to fly, and um, they have impacted the world by their passion. Goodness, Camille, this is so good. (laughs) And so I think it's just recognizing that you know, there's so much hard work that goes into things that we do. And there's so many consequences and risk, a lot of that being criticism. And so when I look back at Vincent Van Gogh, I see a couple lessons there. I see 
you know, be, let yourself, like, surround yourself with, with encouragers, with Theos, you know, but most importantly, like, be your Theo, like, be a Theo for someone else and be that encourager and be that support for someone else. And to never, ever, 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 ever forget, like, the reason why you're doing what you're doing, because that changes the world. And as we know, we know Starry Starry Night, we know the Wright Brothers, we don't know them because they wanted to be known, but we know them because of their undying passion that they have let out and shared with the world. And because their soul wanted it. That's yeah. That's what their soul wanted. And so they Absolutely. did it. Absolutely. And I think just coming back to authenticity, people can really see your intentions and feel your intentions behind things. I know when I haven't played with feeling. And there was a time where, you know, I had a couple of performances back to back, same, same layout, same set list. One night I was kind of feeling it. I don't know why, for whatever reason, the next night I was a little off. I don't know. It was tiredness. I don't know if I just what for whatever reason, the night I was kind of off and tired. I feel, feel like I played technically better mm-hmm. than the previous night. And I, I played with feeling and I, you know, just by a judge of people coming up, you know, or what has been said, like the the time where I played with feeling, people felt that they felt what I felt, and I was feeling what they were feeling, you know. So, so my question is, you know, I and I'm curious about this just for you, if this is something you've ever experienced. But when you put something out there into the world, maybe, and you actually do release something that you've wanted to do, that's something that's maybe just for you, like. For this, for me, it's this podcast in a way. It's not because I want people to listen per se, but it's because I just felt like I needed to do it. And so and I love that, Tracy. Yeah, Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, like yeah, I no. just love that. Yeah, and I like love that not, you're yeah, doing what's in your heart. What's <laughs> yeah. in your heart? Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you have an interest in your heart, you have to absolutely follow that. And like one of my greatest passions in life is to see other people living their passion, just like you're doing. And I totally interrupted you, but I just no, had no. to like. Yeah, thank you so much. I actually was like, I mean, people can't see this, but I was totally crying when you were talking about um, Theo, you know, be a Theo. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, like, be that, be your own Theo, you know, be your own believer, because people will come and go, honestly, you know, and so you really have to have that, that belief in yourself, no matter what, at the end of the day, you really do. Yeah, you do. So I'm really grateful for that. And I guess Mm -hmm. that this is my question for you is, have you ever felt let down, you know, after you accomplished something like you released your album or you, you know, finished your PhD or you, I don't even know what it is, right? You wrote a song and, you know, the satisfaction maybe lasted for a little bit, but there was almost like a letdown after that. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. And I think, I think it's so funny because people, it, it, I think it's pretty common when someone works so hard. I I don't, there might be a word for it in like musician industry or like at any, or any, any place, but yeah, any, anything that it's kind of like, yeah, maybe it's the honeymoon stage, you know, and not that it, there's like this letdown after that, but it, it like the excitement t- tends to dissipate after that. But there's so much build up to releasing an album. There's the promotion, the PR the artwork, the photography, the, I mean, creating the music, the most important part and the joy of that. Like my greatest joy, I think, as I've learned as a musician, sure, 
I love performing. Sure, I love doing different things. But my greatest satisfaction comes from the studio and just creating a song um, and just seeing it come to life, you know. And sure, performing is fun. I love sharing it with others and things. But it's just the... I that's I don't know I get so much joy out of that but um I think you you and you have like six months four months before you you know release your album or whatever and I I was super excited about it and you know you do these videos you do promotion you do CD signings or whatever and you Mm -hmm. have your your release concert and you have all these parties there but uh there's like yeah maybe a month or two after and you're like huh you know that's great. I, I don't know if it's a letdown, so to say, but it's maybe the natural thing that happens with everything like graduation. There's going to be a time where the flowers die and the excitement dies from that, you know, totally. but I think it's all the more important to live in the moment and to realize what those moments while living in them impacts you throughout your life. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. the appreciation of the moment, you know, not missing it. It's like, well, yeah, well, last yeah. because it Abs- won't last. No, absolutely, so absolutely. Don't, don't get, absolutely. but like, just appreciate that time because it's a season, and the season will pass, just like everything yeah. else, kind of. Yeah. So, so um, true. just uh, in I guess in your own life, I know that your um your mother passed away. When, how old were you yeah. when your mother passed away? I was 17. 17 years old. And how do you feel like the death of your mother, like, impacted the way you live your life? Has that impacted how you live your life? Yeah, that's such a good question. I don't know if it was necessarily the death, but her life that impacted the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, what what a lot of people might not know is that so two months before I was born, my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor that was benign, but in a very sensitive area, I'm not, you know, I'm not the youngest person, you know, I'm not the oldest person, but I mean, back when I was born, there wasn't great. There wasn't the technology that there was today uh, to extract a tumor in such a sensitive area. So two months before I was born, my mom had brain surgery and radiation and just, the, the fear that she had of her life, of my life, but uh, the courage that she had to just go through the surgery and the radiation despite um, fears or what other doctors had said and things. And and she, she was okay for about five to eight years, you know, and then past that, she was, she was this amazing opera singer. And I watched this beautiful woman with this beautiful voice and beautiful hair and this beautiful life. Like all of a sudden, her she started to uh, decline, you know, slowly but surely. Her voice went away, her black hair went away. She was bald because she had so much chemotherapy and radiation, and wore a wig. And a lot of her dignity, a lot of just her her pride was was down. And uh, you know, I just seeing her for seventeen years. Um, I had her for a good about five to eight. I didn't really actually know my mother super well just because she was sick most of my life or most of the life that I knew her. But the way that she lived her life and the way that she didn't complain or murmur through those years of, you know, not being able to be really a mom or take care of 
me or other kids and uh, being able to smile through that. Mm. Like that is a miracle. Amen. So, so I think uh, just when I look forward in my life and how my life has been impacted, sure, there's going to be, there's going to be times where uh, we have our own difficulties, just like my mom did. And we, we all come to this life where none of us are immune to the difficulties and we're all going to experience different things. And it's impossible to compare difficulties, even though we might see some difficulties greater than others. We can never compare the impact that those difficulties have on our lives in our own individual situations. And I think it's important to understand that, but, but uh, even though I know that I have had and I will have difficulties in my life is just, to be able to um, not shrink mm -hmm. and by meaning, uh, you know, to, to not recoil, but to triumph over that and talk about resistance. You know, my mom had so much resistance through the physical limitations, uh, cognitive, uh, you know, she couldn't talk for, you know, a good last five, eight years of her life very much anyway, you know, and so, and so uh, she had so much resistance in her life, but despite that, she didn't shrink or she didn't submit to those. She submitted to the, the happiness or, you know, just by overcoming those and being able to smile through that and live through life. Like a great scholar said, you know, Neil A. Maxwell, live through life instead of around it. Yeah. And I really admire her for that. Wow, that is such a powerful story. Thank you for sharing her example and that power of a smile, you know, and, and I guess that question kind of strips away, like takes away almost, you know, her, all of the things that were beautiful about her, like her, not, not everything, right, clearly, but I mean that like it, it may have taken away this gift of her, her voice or her hair, these things that she valued and I'm sure other people valued about her. And I guess that makes me wonder, you know, how have you identified yourself outside of your music and outside of your accomplishments? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a really good question just because my mom was known for her beautiful voice and she was known for her amazing hair, but uh, she was also known for her wit and her personality mm -hmm. and for her joyous laugh. And I think there, there's this quote out there that, that there's this fallacy that we, we think that we do, we have, we be, but it's really that we be, we have, we do mm. that we already are something before our accomplishments were ever even incepted or you know before they were even put into our minds or before they were ever accomplished you know and when people say oh you you know you did this or you did that like I like it just I, I feel like like yeah I'm really glad about the things I've been able to do in my life but they don't define me like I was someone before that like I am something before I have something and before I do something and and same with my mom I think the greatest way in which uh that we that we take with us in our life or that we can develop in our lives is just uh 
the character and how we treat people. Yeah, that's and, so powerful. and my mom was such a beautiful person in treating others, you know, here she, she wasn't able to walk well. She, uh, you know, she didn't like that. She had a bald spot, you know, and she kind of combed her hair forward and things. And she was embarrassed about that, but she, she still got out of the house and she, um, she still lived her life and I'll never forget, you know, up the street where I lived, there was uh, construction workers on this hot sunny day. And, uh, she, and that, that's who my mom was like, despite what was going on in her life, she still looked out the window and she still looked at what other, you know, she still looked at life outside the window and saw what she could add to it. And she saw these, these construction workers on this hot sunny day. And she just, you know, in her shaky hands and her shaky feet and, and her, um, her head with half of her hair on it, you know, she gathered a tray, made up a cold pitcher of lemonade and put some glasses on there. And I'll never forget as a young child, I'll never forget seeing my mom, just like this picture of her, uh, just holding this tray and just kind of staggering up the street. And, um, yeah, sorry, but, uh, like, despite what was going on in her life, she was still able to overcome that and add value into other people's lives. And even though we look at it and we say, oh, it's just like a simple glass of lemonade or a pitcher of lemonade. Like <laughs> that meant something to those workers on that hot semi sunny day. And I think they could recognize, you know, this woman who was stag, you know, just kind of limping or, you know, um, and giving them this tray of lemonade. And I still remember them coming down to the house and, you know, knocking on the door and just individually thanking my mom. And I think that memory is just indelible in my mind in that, uh, she didn't sit home and worry about what she was going through. Like she really took time uh, to listen to others and to be able to overcome the difficulties that she had in her life to help other people still overcome their difficulties. Wow. Yeah. That's so powerful. <laughs> Such a powerful story. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Just, yeah. I feel like we're all whoever listens to this is so blessed because <laughs> then I am that's the, the gift of this is that I am blessed so thank you so much for sharing that and that story just it reminds me of this quote that's sitting right in front of me that says whatever you are be a good one and um, yeah just your mother you know <laughs> she was a good one and so are you and, uh, hey, well, so are you. <laughs> thank you. And I, I think that that's, you know, maybe going back to the purpose of this podcast is that we, we take the time to know each other, you know? And um, I love that. I love that your mother, she saw that and she wanted, I'm sure, to, you know, to make them feel good, clearly. Um, but that desire to be generous in some form, you know, the generous thoughts of others and how can we be generous in our actions to the people in our path, you know, how can we lift those around us? And it, I don't think it takes a lot. 
you know, I think it, it sometimes is just, it is the little things, right? The little things are the big things. And so. Um, oh, absolutely. I they really are. Just, they really so are. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like the little things are the big things. Like how many of us have had somebody do something so small that was so significant for us? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for that. And I feel like we're going to wrap it up, but I barely even asked you any of the questions, but I feel like we had an amazing conversation because you are amazing, Camille. So, Hey, well, same with you, Tracy. Thank you so much for just putting this together and just being the amazing person, soul, spirit you are. Seriously, you. you just like really radiate light. And I just admire how you are trying to bring that light into others' lives. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I actually, um, I've been listening, I've been thinking about this quote from Mother Teresa. And she says, um, people are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten do good anyway give the world your best and it may never be enough give your best anyway for you see in the end it is between you and god and it was never between you and them anyway oh that's beautiful and I I'm, love that. I, I'm just loving that so much but i'm just thinking you know it really is a lot of our art inside of us just like you said camille like the art or the things that we know we want to do it may not be for anybody but for us to know that we did it that we came here and we felt it and we pursued it. Um, yeah. And so I'm just curious, like, do you have anything else that you want to share or anything else that you want to? Um... And I love that you said that. And sometimes it could be for our own healing. You know, I think we're given things, we're given interests in our hearts. Uh, yeah, for our own healing, but to think about how that can impact others, you know, and so... I think that's beautiful. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, and thanks for having me. Of course, thanks Camille, so much I hope for you your have time. Such a great day, and thank you for your time. Mm-hmm.